And that's where, like, taking these people and walking them back to, like, meal structuring and actual eating habits. Like, okay, you're going to eat your meals. You're going to sit at a table and you're going to eat your meals, not, like, without distraction. And you're going to chew your food and you're going to take your time and you're going to pay attention to, like, how it feels when you eat Mm -hmm. the right amount. And then you take that feeling forward. And so you're going to sit at Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner with your family. And when you get to that point, you're going to go, okay, like, this is good for me. And, like, yeah, maybe you overate some fat because they tend to be fatty meals. Um, But on the whole, like, you're not going to blow it up because you have, like, you have a whole toolbox of information at your disposal. Episode 7, Afternoon Snack Podcast. I'm Meredith. We have Alex. Ivy is also here. And we are going to today talk about uh, the three types of clients that we work with. Some of our favorite uh, types of clients, or I guess some like traits. And where we think most people should end up on the spectrum of nutrition and health for longevity. Yeah. And what you can do if you can relate to some of these people that we're talking about or types of people that we're talking about, what you can do yourself to improve your nutrition and lifestyle. And a lot of people start out um, in one kind of one phase and move to the next, or maybe they're, you know, um, a little more strict than they need to be and so finding the middle ground we think is where kind of the sweet spot for nutrition um and if i have to jump off really quick it's because i have to get the cat out of the room she's eating cables again how many how many dollars do you think we've had to spend replacing cables she likes white cables and white cables are apple cables which are the most expensive cables yeah. Ever. <laughs> so we've gone through three MacBook chargers now. Yeah. And she just recently, um, let's see, she's she's eaten, I think, two iPhone chargers, some headphones, and then recently ate the built-in display cables on our Thunderbolt display. And that's going to yeah. be about It's not like we leave these. them around all the time. It's like you turn your back for one second. And she's like literally chewed through it. Yeah. I don't, like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm like, I have, you've bitten me before. I know your jaws aren't that strong. And yet somehow she can just get through an Apple cable in about 20 seconds. So now I have my MacBook cable wrapped in white electrical tape. And she's definitely tried to get that one. Yeah. She has not succeeded. Um, cool. So what is, let's start with, uh, when we're working with, like when we're bringing on clients or whatever, Um, like we kind of operate in, um, like we use Zen planner. So it's like our backend looks very much like a gym. And some, sometimes I forget that like 
you know, our community of people is quite big, but everyone, we work with everyone on an individual basis. So it's not like a gym community where everybody knows each other because there's a certain amount of discretion involved with like nutrition coaching. Um, but when we're bringing people in, what, like what type, what characteristics or what traits do you think um, lend themselves to having a really good relationship with a client and having a lot of success? Um, I think being open just open in general, like open with personal things. And not to say you're, you know, telling all your secrets, but open enough that you're willing to share with somebody. Maybe, um, especially when you have certain things that you want to work on, like um, nutrition is very closely tied to like emotions. And so if you can share what's going on in your personal life and how you feel about that, it allows a nutrition coach to kind of get a better handle of like why you're not, you know, why you're, you're where you are. Like if you're overweight or underweight or why you have the eating habits that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what your tendency, what your habits are and what, like what, what causes those responses? Yeah. So I think just generally being open to sharing and then also open to constructive criticism. What do you mean? Um, so it's funny, we get a lot of clients who they want to change and they, they stayed and we take, we have a, a intake form that we have everybody fill out when they first come on and it takes about 20 minutes and it covers, it's pretty inclusive. It covers goals, like your body weight, like just the general personal information, um, how old you are, uh, what your goals are. And we have like options. So we have leaning out, gaining strength or gaining muscle, performance, weight loss, other, and then a line to put what your other goals are. And probably eight or nine out of 10 times, somebody clicks either performance or leaning out or weight loss. And then we'll put in the other, they just type, I want to lean out or lose weight and get stronger and maintain my muscle and get fitter. Like it's like- But also have abs. (laughs) Yeah, and like I'm I'm laughing, but it's like it's not funny because who wouldn't want that? Yeah, if you're going to like if I'm going to list out everything that I want, like of course I'm going to list out those things, but yeah. we like intentionally make it so that you can only select one. Mm-hmm. Um and people don't like that. So they select one and then they fill in the rest. Yeah. I'm like you can't just type in all of those because yeah. they all kind of exist in a balance. We keep it there though because it's like it gives us an insight into, you know, what we need to work on with people and how we kind of want to narrow in their goal, ultimate goal, I guess. Yeah. And, um, and then we, we, we ask them if they're on, if they're familiar with macros, if they've tracked what their macros are, um, how, what a day of eating looks like, sleep habits, lifestyle habits, how often they work out, when they work out, all these things, medications, things like that, anything that would be relevant. And so you kind of get an idea of like what they're doing right now mm-hmm. and then what in our minds, what they need to do to get to their goals. And a lot of people come on and they want, they want to lean out, but they're not willing to cut out alcohol or they're not willing to eat higher carb, higher protein and a bit lower fat or like better quality foods. And instead they'll say, we'll say like, okay, here are your macros. And then you get back. 
oh, well, no, this, this isn't what works for me. What's worked for me in the past is this. And it's like, but if it worked for you in the past, then you wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Like if it's working for you, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Trying to get help to get to your goals. Like you'd be at your goals. And it's kind of, I think you kind of navigate through those situations. Like I'm not going to straight up be like, no, you're wrong. I mean, some people say stuff and I'm like, that's wrong. But yeah, I think there was like maybe a period of time where I'd be a little more aggressive on correcting people but now like it is a bit of a pattern like you get people in and they want to tell you exactly what they want to do and how they want to do it Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay like but just because you're paying me money to like tell you that this is like tell you the things that you already want to do but haven't like those things haven't worked like it doesn't really work that way so it takes a bit of time and like gentle explanation I think for people to kind of become okay with the fact that they're not in like you're not in charge anymore yeah. I mean you are but like yeah we're gonna tell you <laughs> yeah kinda... you, you're asking for our help yeah and so we're gonna help you mm-hmm. but you have to help yourself by listening yeah and not to say that like for instance if someone says like hey I'm gonna go out binge drinking this weekend like it's something I do when my you know old buddies come to town mm-hmm. every year and I'm like okay cool like do that like they know as like it gets to a point where they know that that's gonna prevent them you know it's gonna it's not something that they do to get to their goals but it's something that helps them get to their goals eventually because you're maintaining a balance if that makes sense yeah i don't know that like binge drinking exists like is a good like some drinking for sure yeah some drinking yeah i think that like starting out it, it can sort of seem like okay you can't drink alcohol when you do you have to log it like this and i think that's important starting out because you need to it's a good way to educate yourself on like what alcohol actually is or what certain foods are and how they can fit in. And then like, okay, once you have a good understanding, now maybe you can be a little more loose on a weekend out of the month and that's not really gonna like derail you. But if you're doing, you know, if it's once a week or a couple times a week, that's different. Yeah, I guess what I was saying is that when you learn, you get to know somebody and you figure out like what their goals are and how you have to almost plan for how they're gonna get there and how long it's gonna take. And if they want to include alcohol, explain to them like that's going to slow their progress Mm -hmm. and as long as they know that it's fine for them to make a decision to drink alcohol like I'm not going to sit there and be like absolutely not you're not allowed I'm like I'm not your mom like I'm not I don't control them I'm just there to inform them and help them you know if they ask me to keep them accountable to no alcohol then that's different yeah but it's definitely a balance for different people yeah it's a balance for themselves and it's a balance for us and how we help people for sure I think the most, like, no matter what the goals are, whether it's weight loss or performance or um, general health, I think, like, my favorite trait in a client is, like, uh, a high level of communication. Like, Mm -hmm. someone who, like, communicates well and easily and um, can have conversations and is responsive. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, that makes such a difference in the way that we do our our job because it's like we're a little different right like it's not once a week over email we're not doing once every two weeks over FaceTime like it's important to have a lot of like touches during the week and if it's um the information doesn't flow freely like it just it's becomes difficult and that's not to say like I mean I have clients that I work with who are great and we don't have like 30 minute conversations every time we check in but everybody's different and they get me the information that I need in a shorter amount of time. But it's like, 
I mean, we've all we've had those people where you just have to like pry information from and it's exhausting and it's like are you keeping this for me on purpose do you not trust me like it just starts to make you kind of question everything that you're doing and when I like when I worry that a client doesn't like a person doesn't trust me like then I then I start second guessing what I'm doing when like you know there's there's really no reason for that mm-hmm. I don't know but why don't we talk about um kind of the types of people that we kind of like work with okay so we'll I'll go over the three okay we've categorized um and then we'll dive into the three categories in more detail yeah and give some examples sure sure so uh group one would be the people who know nothing about nutrition or have never tracked macros um what type of person does that tend to be like uh, from a fitness perspective, like are they in a gym? Are they like beginners to nutrition and fitness? Yeah, I would say most times. Okay. Like somebody who's been in the CrossFit community kind of learns about nutrition through that community. Yeah. So I'd say like newer newer to CrossFit or um, maybe doesn't even do CrossFit. And Let's just... use the word fitness. Okay, fitness. <laughs> um, yeah, newer, okay. I would say. Okay, and what's the next, uh, the next type? The next type is where most people I think fall into the next category and that would be somebody who knows about macros maybe has tracked before they understand like what uh, a fat a protein and a carb is they maybe are within like 20 pounds of what's healthy or in and around their healthy body weight but want to dial in things to lean out it can be performance or like leaning out. Okay. It could also be weight loss. And then category three would be more um, a client that who's competitive in a sport, uh, especially um, a weight class okay. sport. So like weightlifting, powerlifting. Uh, we don't work with any wrestlers, but wrestlers would fall into that. Yeah. Mixed like, martial arts. Yeah. Anybody who's running like high, in, like endurance racing. Yeah. Um, even people who aren't super competitive in endurance racing, like your nutrition needs to be pretty dialed in for that mm-hmm. just to maintain like life, to get through races, to get through training. Yeah. Um, and then people who, yeah, are competitive, maybe sanctionals level athletes or people trying to break through where they're. They're like, okay, nutrition is kind of... They're already training really hard. Nutrition is kind of the last thing that they want to... Yep. Cool. So let's... um, Why don't we start with the the first type of client? And we don't get a ton of people who are like total newbies, right? Um, And I think maybe that's because of... Like if people join up because they've been following us on Instagram, like they're probably educating themselves just simply through our Instagram content. Um... But like we have, we have had these people come through maybe as referrals or even like one-time plans where they're like, what's a macro? Mm-hmm. And, um, those people are kind of fun to work with actually. Like I, I'm sad we don't get more of them cause I feel like there's a, like the potential for impact is like great with that type of person that doesn't know anything. It's yeah. like, oh my goodness, I get to teach this person like from the ground up, um, you know, and everyone or a lot of people, they, they're going to have preconceived notions of nutrition and diet and, oh, okay, sugar is bad, uh, carbs are bad, um, just based on 
the media, unless you you live under a rock. But um, where do like so we when we start with a person like that, like where do you? What's the difference between a person that knows nothing about nutrition and a person that has some base of knowledge? Like how do you how do you approach someone like that? You can't just be like, hey, here are your macros. Um, yeah, I mean we do that at the beginning. We send out their plan with macros because it's like. You need macros. There's a ton of information on food prepping, planning, what a macro is, what the macros are, calories, and then they, we give you macros. But it's yeah. like they don't – the macros don't mean anything to them. But And then it's like, hey, download my fitness pal or a food tracking app. And then once you get started with them, it's like then you really figure out like, you know, are they – you know, it might come down to somebody who's like more technologically competent as a, like how quickly can you learn my fitness pal? Yeah. And then with that, it's like, okay, that's going to allow you to hit your targets easier. But if someone's like really struggling or they, they realize like they're so far off what is even healthy, it's like, okay, step by step. It's like, okay, let's start with getting a fruit and vegetable in every meal. Yeah. Or let's start with, you know, cutting out alcohol during the week. Yeah. Make I mean obviously there's there's discussions with these people to make sure that these goals are are achievable. Yeah. And manageable, but it's like start slow and then it's like, "Hey, let's get you to sit down for three meals." Yeah. Let's get you to now hit your protein. And then you have to talk about sleep. Like is this somebody who sleeps 8 hours a night? Most of the time, no. You know? Yeah. Um a lot of these things kind of come to in a package. It's like if you're not eating healthy, not sleeping, not exercising as much as you need, it just you just don't have a good grasp on what's a healthy lifestyle so it's implementing small things at one at different times over yeah. time yeah and i think like our approach to uh to these people's kind of changed like a couple years ago maybe i would have really forced the my fitness pal thing like hey we gotta learn how to track like here's how you gotta do it and like now my approach and yours i think too with someone who's really new and even sometimes people who are who are not new to tracking i'm like okay, well, we're not going to track. Like, I just want to focus on, like, your your meal habits. Like, how many meals are you eating a day? Um, are you having snacks? Like, what's in those meals? Like, I don't need to know how much of, mm-hmm. you know, of each component you're having, but let's, like, let's just work on, like, building meals. And then, like, once that, because honestly, like, that's, that's the more difficult habit. You can log, like, you can eat like a turd and yeah. log all of it and hit your numbers and not be going anywhere towards your goals because like you're not eating on a regular schedule. Uh, you're not eating good quality foods. You're, you know, maybe you're eating while you're driving or standing up or you're multitasking at every single meal. Like it's just- Or you're not eating for six hours and then you work out. Yeah. So it's like the, the actual, the core habits are not there. And so it's like, okay, when we're thinking about health and nutrition as kind of a pyramid, like we need these prerequisites to be met. Mm-hmm. And like until you can meet those, there's really no point in focusing on like the details of, um, you know, macros and like, are you hitting very specific numbers? And that's something that we've kind of changed in the past. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting thing though. Like you can get somebody who's never seen a macro before. And I just had this happen. It's never seen a macro. You send them their plan and they're like, holy moly. And I'm like, all right, just like, you know, read through it. Let's end. Well, I'll see where you're at. And it's like I checked her logs two days later, and they're perfect. And it's like that's somebody who just gets it. Mm-hmm. It's like they put in that they put in probably a couple hours, figured it out, and 
like sat down and figured out what their day needs to look like for yeah. it to reflect in my fitness pal. And it's like, okay, they've got it. And now it's just getting into the habit of making those foods every day or those meals. Yeah. But then you can have people who've tracked before. And like you said, like, okay, now we need, we need to get off tracking and get yeah. back to the basics before we, like you said, like tracking isn't going to get you where you want to be. Cause you look at their logs and it's like, wow, like you eat nothing but fake food. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's walk this back to the basics Yeah. of like, what is like, what is actually food? Like, why is everything that you're eating? Why does everything come in a wrapper? Yeah. So in that way, like maybe having a total like newbie level one type person, like again, you get to shape their habits into whatever you want. And that's kind of nice, yeah. especially if they're willing to work hard and learn and actually like do the program. But as much as the intake questionnaire gives us an idea of who we're getting, I think that's why the communication is so important once we get talking to our one-on-one clients because, it, I mean, there's education, but then there's actually implementing yeah, that education. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. It makes it interesting. It does. But the bulk of our, kind of our people fall into that next category, which is the, like, they have some history with nutrition and diet. Um, they're probably in a gym or doing some sort of, some like some sort of training um and maybe they're looking to lose weight or get healthier or improve performance like the goals that exist in that in that middle category are pretty vast but let's say like you know a lot of the people that we work with have weight loss goals yeah like that's still like we work with a lot of performance athletes and people that have goals there sure but um i think weight loss is still the number one what percentage would you say are either leaning out or weight loss like leaning out for performance leaning out for health oh like like weight loss people click leaning out but really it's like if it's 10 pounds or more yeah then it's weight weight loss loss. um of the people that i would say it's a solid like 60 percent. i would say higher than that you think higher yeah yeah maybe especially considering the one the one-time plans that come through yeah, so it's a, like a big chunk for sure. Um, and so these are the people that come in and these are the ones, a lot of them are going to fight you at first and they're going to push back and tell you, well, this has worked in the past and this hasn't and, you know, why why are you giving me so much food? And like, so it's there's a lot of explaining and a lot of learning and a lot of hand-holding, kind of more so with this group of people because they have to, you have to be gentle and help them unlearn some information especially yeah. I found especially when people come from outside of the uh like CrossFit gym functional fitness space if they're coming from you know maybe like like the workout DVD like the P90X insanity group uh beach body group we'll call them mm-hmm. uh that's a tough group to work with or um older oh I wouldn't even say older like females mm-hmm. Uh, even older generation like my mom's generation like 40 50 60 even 30 you get people who have these like preconceived notions of preconceived notions of like what uh you need to eat low fat no sugar like well, carbs the, are bad is the sugar that i'm getting from fruit bad do yeah. i need to eat less fruit like just that one fear of carbs yeah well, I've, I've heard you eat white rice i heard white rice is bad and like you can't blame these people because all they see is like Carbs make you fat. Yeah. It's like, no, food makes you fat. Too much food makes you fat. Yeah. I mean, unless you're looking at someone who's got like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, is pre-diabetic or diabetic or like insulin, insulin resistant PCOS, like someone who actually has like an insulin issue. Yeah. If you don't like carbs are fine. You just can't eat too much. uh, One thing. Yeah. One thing we get, you mentioned that a lot of these people, they get their macros and then they figure out like, okay, this is what a day of eating needs to look like for me to hit these macros. Mm -hmm. It's so much food. Why is that? I think a lot of these people are coming to us from a kind of a processed food diet. And so like if you're not, if you're just look, if you're used to just looking at the amount of food that you're eating, like in front of your eyes and the way that it feels, when you switch from a highly processed diet to a, a more healthy diet, uh, your food volume goes up. So the actual calorie content is lower, but the, the volume's higher. And so it, it looks like and it feels like a lot of food when in reality, like your the total daily intake is lower, usually by like several hundred calories on average. Like the trick with some of these folks is that they don't cons- they don't consistently eat like day to day. They don't they aren't consistently eating the same amount. And so yeah, maybe they have a day where they eat three or four thousand calories, and then maybe they have a day where they eat eighteen hundred calories. And so it's like there's a bit of a rolling average effect. And if you if you average their intake out it's higher than what their daily intake is now. But not only does it look and feel like more food, like they're seeing a number that's consistent across the day. And so they're just, it's like not, they're not being truthful with themselves about what their, maybe their history with eating actually is. Yeah. So like if it's Wednesday and they eat three balanced meals and a few snacks and it's like post-workout, it's like, okay, I'm hitting 1800 calories. This is too much food. It feels like too much food. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. So like, let's stick with this for three weeks and see what happens. Because what we normally see is like on the weekends, it's, it's too much food on a Wednesday because they're at work. Yeah. But on the weekends, all of a sudden, it's like they don't track or they track. And it's like, like you said, like 2,500 calories, including out, like, that includes like alcohol or chips and dip or a popcorn night with their kids, pizza popcorn night. It's like, okay, well, you might have been before on a Wednesday eating 1,500 calories mm-hmm. But if on a Saturday and Sunday you're eating and a Friday night you're eating 2,500 calories, your average is, is above 1,800. And like what we want for, and this is, this had, like this goes to your relationship with food as well and like learning portion control and moderation. Yeah. But what we want is we want a Wednesday to look like a Saturday and have it kind of like even keel throughout the whole week and throughout the whole week. And even like if you look at, you can even compare month to month mm-hmm. you can have september which is like a back to school like back on it or a january where yeah. it's like okay i'm back on and then you have a december or a june where it's like summertime or holiday and your average across that month might be 2500 calories if you're eating christmas cookies and drinks or you're out for drinks all the time in june during the summer that's where you're gaining the weight like our goal is over time to be like hey your month of june should look the same as your month of January. Yes. Like it's like you're even keel the whole way. And yes. it's like how do you how do you find the balance where that happens? Where you can enjoy December Christmas cookies mm-hmm. but still maintain like a calorie intake that doesn't cause weight gain. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the like that's where that's the golden part of this program is it's like you know, you take someone who has no consistency and they don't even under, they don't understand that or they don't see it and you get them to be super consistent 
uh, to the point where they're starting to see the results that they want. And then you say, okay, um, now we're going to add some balance back in. And for a lot of people, they freak out at that. They're like, well, if I, you know, if I don't track a meal or I don't track my weekend or I like go out for dinner with friends, like, aren't I going to lose all my progress? And it's like, no, you're not. And it's important to, to know how to do that and how to fit those activities in. Cause no one wants to be that person forever. Who's like, well, I can't like, I don't want to go to family events because I'm worried about the food and I'm worried about the dessert. and I don't want to go out with friends cause they're going to drink. And I don't like, you don't want to be that per- It sucks to be that person. And so for longevity and sustainability, you have to learn, okay, how does, how do those activities fit in with like still progressing or like maybe they're at a point where they just want to maintain and be healthy. And so I think that's, you know, teaching people how to have that balance and that it's okay um, is where the real progress is made as far as long, like, because you're not going to work with a nutrition coach forever. Mm-hmm. And if, like, the if your nutrition coach is, is worth their salt, then they should be telling you and educating you on how to, like, leave the nest and how to be okay on your own and um, reassuring and practicing these scenarios and that kind of thing. It's like... If you go all year and you're perfect and you get to Christmas and you don't know how to deal with it, like someone has failed you. Yeah. <laughs> like that needs to be a, a conversation and uh, an experiment before you get to November or December um, so that you have tools and systems in place and you know how to approach it mentally if like you're someone who who typically struggles with like holiday and Yeah, and, the, and you have the confidence in those scenarios where you know you have control over it. Yeah. And enough education from tracking where you're like, you know, okay, I kind of know how much, you know, what's in that. I kind of know what's in that. Like you can just sort of make assumptions and understand even if you like, if you wanted to portion things out, you probably could yeah. and be pretty successful with that. Even like the feeling you get when I'm like the feeling I get when I eat a 500 calorie or 600 calorie mm-hmm. meal is very different from a 1200 calorie meal and like kind of learning the difference by how your body feels is is important also it's yep. like all right i'm stuffing myself now i need to stop and like, that's where like taking these people and walking them back to like meal structuring and actual eating habits like hey you're gonna eat your meals you're gonna sit at a table and you're gonna eat your meals not like without distraction and you're gonna chew your food and you're gonna take your time and you're gonna pay attention to like how it feels when you eat mm-hmm. The right amount and then you take that feeling forward and so you're gonna sit at christmas dinner or thanksgiving dinner with your family and when you get to that point you're gonna go okay like this is good for me and like yeah maybe you overate some fat because they tend to be fatty meals um but on the whole like you're not gonna blow it up because you have like you have a whole toolbox of information at your disposal so let's talk about a scenario okay so you have somebody who's trying to lose a, a female who's uh, 35 or 40, she's 140, wants to get to 130. She's eating healthy during the week. And then she goes out and has like a burger and, and fries and a beer. And then the next day you check in with her and she's, she's, she feels guilty. But what do you say? Like, where, like, how do you get rid of that guilt? And she's worried about um, falling back into bad habits and being a person like, okay, well, what's one, what, if it's one meal, what's, you know, what happens if I just have two meals and then it's every night I'm having this meal. It's like, Mm -hmm. 
how do you approach that? Like, how do you get somebody to stop feeling guilty about yeah. indulging? Um, well, I think that kind of goes back to like, what's their, like, what's their relationship with food like? So if you have an understanding of what that is, it makes that conversation easier. But usually I just ask like, well, why did you, like, why do you feel guilty? Like you obviously made the decision to do that. And like, this is assuming that it's, it didn't turn into an entire day of like, eating because sometimes that happens and that's a bit of a like that's a different conversation but let's just say it's, it's one meal and they feel guilty and I ask why and they say all of that um and then it's sort of then reminding that person like you're in a different place than you were um like we're working towards adding balance in we're working on education like understanding how different foods like fit into your lifestyle and you know you like you like burgers and you like fries and like, there's nothing wrong with having a beer and you should feel okay about having a meal like that because you're in control. You're not gonna backslide. And like what you're feeling like, um, you know, guilt, assuming it's not a pattern, like guilt's kind of a useless emotion in that situation because that's just like projecting past events onto a like current situation or future mm-hmm. um and that's not really fair like you can't get out from under that and so um there's no really no reason to, f- to feel guilt i think in that situation yeah. so i think a lot of times i just kind of remind someone of where they're at and that being super super strict and not having foods that you like isn't going to get you to your goal any faster even if you think that yeah or keep you like happy like I, and I think you told me about this metaphor, but I like to explain this to clients who feel guilty about indulging. And it's not like they go crazy. It's not like they're eating like 3,000 calories in a meal. It's like they just have something that maybe they wouldn't if they were strictly tracking their macros that day. But I like to say, all right, so you have your bank account, your savings, and you know, you're very responsible with your money and you have a good cushion. So like you have enough money in case something goes wrong or, you know, you're, you're saving, you're putting money into retirement and then you decide, okay, like I, I want to go on this, like this vacation and you spend money on that vacation. You decide you're going to do it and you're like, I'm just going to do it. And then after the vacation, you feel guilty that you spent the money and you're like, I wish I never did that. (laughs) It's the same thing with food. It's like, you can't, you know, indulge in a meal and be like, I feel guilty. I wish I never did that. Cause then I, you know. It's like the, I would have that money in the bank account still. Yeah. But it's like, what you have to think like, well, what do you gain by spending some money? You gain like happiness. Like if you never spent any money, like where does that get you? Does it get you happiness? Does it get like, are you able to socialize with people? It's, there's, you know, there's a lot of correlations with that yeah. sort of thing. And if like you're responsible most of the time, like you're not going to become poor. Exactly. Or like if you're not just like, like you know, if you're not spending money you don't have. Yeah. Like because if you are, then you're gonna run into credit issues and debt issues. Yeah, which would be equivalent to being obese. unhealthy or obese. Yeah, and it's the same like so that's the benefit of structure, right? And this is across the board. Like, you can make an argument for any kind of structure in your life. Like, um, I similar to the bank analogy, you can ask someone like, well, do you set an alarm clock to get up in the morning? And they say, yeah, of course I do. Well, why? And they say, well, you know, if I didn't set an alarm clock, I would oversleep and I wouldn't, you know, I would go to work late and then I would have to stay at work late and then I would miss time with my kids and I wouldn't be able to go to the gym. And it's like, okay, so 
that alarm clock allows you to structure your day in a way where you do the you get the things that you need to get done completed so that you have time to do the things that you want. And so it's the same it's the same argument. So if you have structure in your life from a nutrition standpoint, like part of the benefit of having that structure is it allows you to on occasion like enjoy foods and drinks and things that you like with like it without guilt or you should feel less guilt. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, I set myself up so that I can do this. I save money so that I can afford vacation. I set an alarm so that I get all my stuff done so I can hang out with my family. Like, it's the same argument for structure across the board. But the, the difference between an alarm clock and between money is, um, and between food is the, obvi- the, the emotional attachment to food. And that's where it gets tricky and it's where people disconnect logic from yeah from what they're doing and like you can tell someone over and over again this is like this is how it works you know here's the logic here's the science here's the math you're fine and they're still gonna be like well no I ate a burger and now I feel like I've gained five pounds yeah and so it's like I feel like that's really like that's the harder problem to solve and I don't think you really ever solve that problem but I think like over time, that's where like repeatability becomes important. So if you can get someone to add balance in their life and then make that a routine, like every Saturday or every other Saturday, you know, I go out for a burger and I don't track it and they can do that and they can continue to make progress in whatever direction. That's where you people will over time stop worrying so much about like day to day changes in their body as a result of acute changes in their nutrition yeah and I think that's why we are so against quick fixes because in order to get a quick fix especially when it comes to weight loss you need to push the balance so far to one extreme you need like to lose a pound a week even you need to cut it's 500 500 calories calories a a day which is a lot it's a lot and if you're doing that over the course of four or six or eight weeks like you're you're going to feel bad. You're going to be super hungry. You're going to feel very restricted. Um, And then what happens when week eight is done? Yeah, okay, cool. You've lost, I don't know, 30 pounds. But like, what's going to happen after? It's like your body just bounces back. You're so hungry. You're so mentally exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like you can't keep sustaining that forever because you haven't been able to go out with friends. Maybe you're on a meal plan and you've been eating the same thing every week. And like, okay, now you want a burger and a, a pop and ice cream and all of these things that you haven't had. Whereas like with our, with the program that we use, it's like, okay, you can have ice cream every day if you want, like a small amount. Yeah. You can do that. It's like you can spend five or $6 on a coffee every day and be fine. Yep. But if you're spending like, you know, $200 on something every day, then maybe you're not, you're not fine anymore. Yeah. Um, or you spend nothing and then all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to blow the bank. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's finding that like sustainable behavior that you can sustain for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Like there's no time limit on, on health and nutrition. Like you may only have a nutrition coach for a certain period of time, but that nutrition coach shouldn't be like hounding you to stick perfectly to your macros. They should be educating you on I mean, I shouldn't say they should. We think that they should. That's what we do because we know or feel that that's what's best for 
sustainability and health. Yeah, and it, it allows us to, like, we feel like we're making a better, like, a bigger impact in people's yeah. lives beyond their work with us as coaches, which is kind of the goal, right? Like, yeah. is it the most profitable profitable way to do our jobs? Probably not. But I like it, and it, you know, we kind of set out to do, set out with this company to help people, and... You know, if you're going to help somebody, help somebody. <laughs> okay. So last thing before we move on to category three, unless you have anything else to add. But I, always, I wanted to mention, so we have on our questionnaire, our intake form, uh, current weight and then goal body weight. Which, I'd like, honestly, I just want to remove that. Okay. So um, I want to know, like, and you can ask, I'm sure a lot of you sitting there have a goal body weight. Like, Maybe you're 142 and you want to be 140. Yeah. Maybe you're 140 and you want to be 130. And like, I think these goal body weights are a little bit more arbitrary as you get closer to them. I think when you're 200 pound female and you want to be 170 or 160, that's like, all right, that's just like a healthy goal weight. Sure. But like when someone says they're even a female, I'm 120, I want to be 117. And I, all, I almost like, yeah, I set their macros to like try to lean them out because that's what they want. But I'm like, I, I ask them, well, where, where did you, why 117 mm-hmm. or why 130 or why 142? What, like, do you, do you yeah, ask that question I, too? Like I, this, a couple of days ago, I asked someone in that and it's like, oh, I just, I, I'll feel better, you know, when I'm that. <laughs> Wait, I'm, you know, oh, if I'm that weight, I'm probably a size four mm-hmm. instead of a size six. And it's like, <laughs> well, what if, like, what if you could achieve your physical goals without losing, like, but you you never actually got to that weight? Like, what if, and this happens all the time, right? As people start to see physical changes in their body and they don't see the corresponding weight change. And some people are like, cool, that's awesome. But then a lot of people, they still struggle with that because they wrote the damn number down. And they have it in their head and they won't allow themselves to be happy until they see that number on the scale. But the problem with that approach, again, it's like, well, what, what happens when you get to that number? Like, what happens when you get to 135? Like, there's kind of two things that tend to happen. Like, either the number then becomes 130 for no good reason whatsoever, except that you're like, well, let's keep going down because for some reason, like... We, especially women, think we're more valuable the lighter we are, which is mind-boggling. Or the second thing that happens is it starts to go back up. Like maybe because you had to do something super restrictive to get there. Um, And it's like, well, now what do you do? And so instead, like, and we've talked about this before in the, like, previous episodes, but, like, instead it's, you know, okay, you want to be 135. You also want to be good at the sport that you do and you want to be healthy and you want to, you know, what, what that number means to someone, it might mean that like, you know, they eat healthy and they work out and they, they do all of these things to get to that number. So why not just ditch the number and say, instead of saying, I want to weigh 135, you ask yourself, what would I have to do theoretically to lose any amount of weight? You know, maybe instead of working out three times a week, I want to work out five times a week. Um, you know, I want to get my knee up. I want to do more walking during the day. Um, you know, I want to pay more attention to my diet. So set goals around those things. So maybe like, 
okay, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. I'm going to make sure I get 8,000 steps in a day. I'm going to make sure each of my meals has a vegetable in it. Like those are the goals that ultimately get you where you want, like aside from the, the number on the scale. And so maybe it allows you to keep going past that number. Maybe um, you start to see positive changes in your body and in your, your health and you're okay with the fact that you never get to that number. Yeah. Um, that's usually like, that's kind of the direction that I try to push people. And then, you know, it allows them to experience success and happiness every single day that they do those things instead of experiencing failure every single day that they get on the scale and they don't see the number that they like pulled out of thin air. Yeah. Like I, I use their goal weight. I note it in my notes under their like profile. Mm. For my own sake, for their sake, and I try to get them towards that. Like, if, if somebody's 150 and they want to be 145, like I said, it's like, okay, this person wants to lean out. Yeah. But I almost always will say, please send me a progress, a starting progress photo. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, unless I can see them in a bathing suit or something on Instagram, I don't know what that 150 looks like. So I'm like, if it looks like a really healthy 150, then I'm like, I will ask them, like, all right, where's 145 coming from? Or it's like, when you get to, like, or if at 150, like, their scale, the scale's not moving, but they, they've noticed extreme performance um, benefits. They feel good. They're, they're finding a really great balance with food. Um, and they're like, oh, but the scale isn't budging. And then it's like, all right, why does the scale need to budge? Yeah. Like what, like, oh, well, I just, I just thought that, and I'm like, you don't need to always be losing weight. Like, I think that's a lot of people always, like you said, they, they, they're more valuable as a human being if they are lighter. Yeah. But I think, kind of telling someone like all right let's actually consider this number like what does that what does that mean like actually besides what you thought it meant when you filled out this questionnaire and like that's my favorite when someone's like you know what you're right like it doesn't matter what I weigh no that number is arbitrary like I'm happy with where I'm at like and a lot of times like I will tell people like put away the scale yeah there's there's certain people I have I wait like weight loss maybe are different like actual weight loss where it's like that's a really good indicator of progress yeah and like if, a, for instance, a male who's 240 wants to weigh 200, I have a couple males working towards that goal. It's like, that's a really good, it's really good motivation. Yeah. But when they get to 200, is it like, all right, stop? Or is it like, all right, let's re- reassess. Or maybe they get to 202 and they feel great. Yeah. And then again, it's the same conversation. Do we really need to be pushing to, to 200? No. If we get to 200 and they still feel like they can lean out or improve something, it's like, okay, let's keep moving. Yeah. Um, but that, that body weight, like so many people have this number in their head. And I would say it could be because we work with more females, but I would say that's more common with females. Yeah. I mean, I've had a client, and I've probably shown you, um, who is kind of like pushing for performance and CrossFit in the sport. And I think she was like maybe one, 158 or so. And I hadn't seen a picture of her, so I have no idea what she looks like. But I do make connections in my head when I hear weight, especially for a CrossFit, like a female. Mm-hmm. It's because I know what people, I know what I weigh, I know what you weigh, I know what most of the competitors weigh. Yeah. And I remember she was like, well, the scale's not going down. You know, she's like 156. And, um, you know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, like it would probably, like most sort of higher end females are in that like 145 range. And I was like, well, send me a picture and I'll let you know, like just so I know. She sent me a picture and she's jacked. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like just muscles, like 
I don't like, but still very lean. I was like, oh yeah, you're not gonna lose any weight. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple of those. And then too. she's like, yeah, you know, and I haven't had my period. And like, I'm like, okay, this yeah. is starting to click. And so it's like, it is important that you. <laughs> I forgot about that till just now. But it's... I had a client. She's finally sent me a photo because I was like, please send progress photo, please. And she was like, on the like like 155. Yeah, same. She sent me a photo. I'm like, I'm like, holy <laughs> boy. <laughs> I'm like, you're gonna well, you can walk out onto a stage right now. Yeah. Like, we gotta get your macros up, girl. No, you need to eat more. And so that's like that's kinda fun when that happens. It's scary. Yeah. Um It's like I told you to send me those progress photos. <laughs> Stop it. Um Yeah, so I don't know, it's um it's the body weight thing's tricky. It's like you know, you don't, a lot of people, I don't know, it's like they feel like they walk around with their body weight tattooed on their forehead. And it's yeah. like, hey, you don't, no one actually knows how much you weigh. Even if they did, like, Who do you think anyone would actually care? I think care. a lot of people find value in just being told, like, no, you look good. Yeah. You're fine. I think that, like, just having someone say, like, at least this is what I feel, uh, the response I get from clients. And like, for me to be like, no, you're good. Like, yeah, so you weigh 180, you're a female, but you're like, you know six feet tall like and you look like you do like you're good yeah don't worry about like, that oh what about um how did what, i don't even know bmi oh BMI. i mean as soon as you have any muscle i know body, I'm like, like don't even pay attention to that well my bmi says i'm yeah, it's 24 yeah like, yeah just throw don't. that out the window yeah yeah i think um, for general like general bmi gets such a bad rap and it should like in an athletic population yes. i think there's still like in general population, it's still a pretty valuable mm-hmm. number. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you are, are dealing with like athletes and people who they're like, oh, BMI's, you know, it's bullshit. They think I'm, says I'm overweight. And like, yeah, just realize that you're an outlier for that particular metric. But, um, you know, most people don't have just muscle growing out of their ears. So it's, yeah, pretty, it's pretty accurate. Um, third type of client. A third type of client would be, like, uh, somebody who... And you can actually have somebody who's in between two and three. Oh, yeah. There's tons of overlap Um, here. Like, there are people who will go into what a category three would be where they're tracking meticulously and very careful about the supplements they're taking, um, post-workout supplements, pre-workout supplements. Um, They are tracking their sleep. Many, there's many things you can do, quantitative and qualitative. And they, they may do that for half a year before competitions, and then the other half, they're back in, you know, category two. Yeah, it's like in-season, out-of-season. It's like out of season. Precision Nutrition talks a lot about that, and their, their category three is very extreme. It's like, okay, bodybuilding or something. Our category three, like you can put, like I would put myself in category three. Yeah. And um, I think we can eliminate that, like the bodybuilder kind of like. We don't deal with bodybuilders. Yeah. So we, we just don't work with them. So that type of extreme dieting, like we just don't. Yeah. We don't pander to that. But type, like type three would be like very meticulous with their tracking all the time. Like really dialed in, pays close atten- attention to supplements, um, close attention to like meal timing, mm-hmm. uh, pre-workout and post-workout timing, um, to the point where for people maybe who are not you, it takes away a bit of balance from their life. Yeah. And it's making sure when you're working with these people, it's kind of implementing balance. Like, okay, like let's take this week off. Yeah. Um, 
So another thing. Oh, sorry. Oh, um, I was just gonna ask, like, where's the line for when that's appropriate for a person? I think it really just depends. So for you, like, you're kind of that way all the time. Whereas, like me, I'm more of like the in between, two to three, and then, um, like, what about a, a like a regional, sanctionals, games level athlete? Do you think that you need to be in that? most of the time all the time i think it depends it depends on what your personality is like so if you're a person who likes to be a little bit more flexible just generally um, flexible with their time they're not as routine oriented then for them like being very meticulous about something could take away from like over a long period of time could just exhaust them it's stressful it's 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 consuming in a in a way for someone like me, I actually am more relaxed when I have more control. So like I like tracking because it it's like it just makes me feel good. Yeah. Depend. I think it depends on the the personal personality. If I like I've been in situations where I can't track, like when we go on certain vacations and I'm like, you know what, I'm good not tracking. Like I can I I can kind of flip back and forth if I have to. Yeah. And I it took me a while to get to that point. I'll admit. Like I used to be in in category three 100% of the time and it would get to the point where I would be pushed out of it or have to to respond to something like where I wasn't able to track or I wasn't able to work out every day or you know follow my exact program and then I would get very anxious it took some time you kind of have to like you said it's like all right let's do a day of not tracking and see what happens oh you're fine all right cool it gave you anxiety that's fine let's do it again and maybe and I kind of worked on that yeah. over time. Just it kind of naturally happened because I my life was moving in a bit of a different direction. Like I had a girlfriend and you're going <laughs> on dates and, you know, it's like you're not going to – I didn't want to be the crazy person, so I worked through it. Yeah. So I think for for people in those it, like higher level athletes where you can benefit from being very meticulous and very controlled, uh, it, when and – how you kind of move in and out of that category and when like it depends on the costs and the benefits yeah and then also making sure it doesn't become disordered yes yeah so i think we you you can see a lot of like disordered patterns kind of crop up with people there Mm -hmm. and then it's even more important that you kind of push them back to that second level where you're kind of incorporating more balance i think a lot of people you know, it's a byproduct of, I think, the, um, the what's popular in the nutrition space that right now with, like, specifically with CrossFit, like, macros is kind of the big thing. And I think a lot of people think that in order to be successful and to continue progressing as an athlete, that that's, a, like, a requirement for their training. Um, I don't... Like, I don't think that is the case, but I was wondering what you thought. And, like, we're talking – let me just describe the athlete really quick because I think that's important. So I have – like, I have some people who are definitely, like, higher in sanctionals, regionals type. And they, um, you know, they track and it serves them in the same way that it serves you. But the athlete that I'm talking about would be someone who – Back when, like, the Open and Regionals were still a thing, maybe they're, you have to be top 20 to qualify for Regionals. Maybe they're, like, top two or 300, top 100. 
that type of person. So you're talking about an athlete who, if they didn't have a tracking app, would be eating healthy enough to maintain weight and... Yes. I stopped I, you. I don't know. I think it depends on the person. Like, yeah. for instance, a lot of people just track. Like, um, a lot of people we've worked with continue to track, even though we say, like, hey, if you don't want to track, here's how you kind of yeah stay on track without tracking. Um, but, like, for instance, okay, like my mom... She's like me, kind of like a little bit crazy. A little. But she she tracks every day. And it's because like she doesn't eat the same thing every day. And so it's like it helps her kind of like make sure that she's staying super, like eating enough, eating enough of the right things, like getting fiber in, getting, you know, it just keeps her on track. Could she do that without tracking? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I guess no. I don't think you need tracking. I guess... Um... I should have asked the question in a different way, but um, I agree with, with what you said. I think that there's uh, a, ten- a temptation to think that macros is going to somehow fast track your progression as an athlete. Mm. And I still okay, think- Okay, I see what you mean. Um, when you're talking about training and nutrition together to, an, to advance performance in specifically in uh, functional fitness and CrossFit, I still think that the person who is training harder and doing more intelligent training will advance faster. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that nutrition, it aids that. And you definitely, there are, there are minimums that have to be met. But I think that the, like the, the bulk of the focus should be on the training. Yeah. And but so, you can focus on both. You can, yeah. But it shouldn't be... Like, you shouldn't be so f- caught up on nutrition that your training is suffering. Yeah. And that's what I sometimes I see and I worry about. And so it's like, you know, okay, take a big step back on nutrition. Get your shit together with training. Like have the important conversations with your coach or whoever's doing your programming. Get to a point where you feel good about that. And then then let's, t- let's tighten up the nutrition. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, I have I've worked with certain people who... It, they have a bad workout and it's like they're up in arms about how something needs to change with their nutrition. Like, or I didn't eat the right thing after, or should I change the macronutrient ratio of my breakfast to help yeah. my workout at 10, 10 AM? I'm like, no, like, honestly, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. probably something else. Like if you're pretty good, it's probably not making that much of a difference. Yeah, like, it yeah, could just if you be... don't eat six hours and then you go work out, and like, that's an issue. Yeah. But, like, tiny tweaks in nutrition, not, especially when, like, a lot of these people, like, maybe if you're doing every single thing right, which all these high end athletes are, including training. Yeah. And they're all, it's so competitive. But for somebody like, like, I have clients where I'm like, oh, should I move my fat, most of my fat to a different type, time of day? And, push carbs toward like all of my carbs around training. I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's what the science says. It's going to make you perform better. But I'm like, do you want to be eating like zero carbs or zero fat at breakfast because you're working out in an, in two hours? Yeah. Like you try to try to eat a hundred grams of carbs with no fat. And let me know yeah. I'm like, that's just, it's not, it's not fun. And like, no, the it's not small necessary. performance benefit that you're going to get is negligible. 
Yeah. It's like I people mean, any athlete, kind really. of, I think people kind of, when they envision the way that nutrition works with regards to like how you're going to feel day to day and like workout to workout, assuming that you're not doing something egregious, like fasting for six or eight hours mm-hmm. before, assuming that that isn't happening, which most people don't do that. Um, I th- people have this misconception of, they think that their body is kind of like a speedboat and it can change direction super fast. And it's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go left, and it goes left, and you can kind of pivot in place. And now I'm going to go right, go right. And you can make these changes, and this, the changes have an immediate effect. When in reality, your your body is like a, it's like a barge. Like, it's not going to, if you want to change direction, you have to turn the wheel, and then you have to keep turning the wheel, and you have to wait. Yeah. Like, it takes a long time to actually change directions. And so, the like, the idea that, like some minute detail. Oh, I ate an extra walnut too close to my workout. That was probably too much fat. Yeah. Like the idea that that is actually going to have a a noticeable impact on anything that you're doing is absurd. Yeah. It's funny that like the the athletes around and I can say this based on my observation and it's really only on my observation. I haven't read any studies or anything about this. But I've hung around athletes who are in that area, like 200 or 300 in the open, in their region, or even top 1,000 in the world. I don't know how you rank that. Maybe like squeaking into regionals or just outside. Um, or even like some, some of the athletes who are doing scaled events. They are more meticulous about their diet than games athletes. Yes. Like I hang out with games athletes during the games when we were on demo team and stuff. And they are, they are not tracking some of them. Like, they're just getting food in. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. They're just getting food in. Like, even during training, it's like, oh, some of these athletes don't track. I know a ton of athletes who don't track. And um, especially males, actually. I think more females track than males. But again, that's observation. So I think that that just shows you that the nutrition isn't the key to success. It can help, but only to a certain point. And then after that, it's like, the more dialed in you are with it the less like the more you, you expend more energy worrying about that than you actually get from worrying about it yeah it kind of is like the it's my argument against like uh like people like wearables like uh mm-hmm. whoops and stuff like that it's like the more information that you have at your disposal the you're it's like you create uh excuses or you create things you create handicaps handicaps yeah. yeah um you know where if someone doesn't track they're like maybe they wouldn't know that they had less like fewer carbs that day and they can't go well like you know i'm i'm like 50 grams short on carbs so i'm probably not gonna have a good workout like they don't think that way they just go do their best and it's like if they don't feel good they're like huh that was weird yeah you can really mess up your confidence or your mental state during workouts Mm -hmm. if you're so meticulous or you see on your watch i'm only 50 percent recovered i'm gonna have a horrible workout or you're on the bike and like i can only push 65 rpm because i didn't eat enough i didn't sleep enough it's like no i mean if maybe like if you didn't know that you didn't sleep you only slept 50 percent you woke up feeling great even if you did sleep only 50 percent yeah you may have had a great workout you have no idea you have no idea but it's like you're putting yourself like knowing, I don't know. But then again, like some people use those wearables for real good. Like they see 50% and they're like, man, I really got to up my sleep. Yeah. It just, again, it depends on the person. Yeah. And it's the same with nutrition. Like yeah. if you, 
I think if you can be very detached from your nutrition and you can use, like it's just a metric, it's just another thing that you keep an eye on and you turn the dials when the dials need to be turned um, and you use it as a like an objective tool, then yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's a, there's a fine line between, you know, turning dials and being objective and um, it being a little bit too much. And I think like, you know, weight class sports are a little bit different. Weightlifters, people who are cutting weight, like then, okay, now you really have to kind of mm-hmm. dial it in during specific parts of the season. And we don't work with a ton of people that cut weight, but, um, you know, it is, it's a valuable tool and you do have to um, be very precise with what you're doing more so than a performance-based sport, solely performance-based sport. But I think uh, a lot of people put themselves in that third category and um you know maybe they exist they need to exist in the in-between yeah maybe not maybe not solely on that like level two all about balance track but you know a little balance never hurt anybody yeah especially if uh you know your goals are general improvement yeah in sport or performance or body composition or whatever have you and you're willing to dedicate some time to it so, yeah. So I think the takeaway is like, we like to see most people kind of end up in around the same area. And that is finding something that is sustainable for them. And it's going to look different for everybody. There's yeah. no, there's no right way. Yeah. It's just, like, it, what, it's what works for them and figuring out what's going to work for them and talking to them mm-hmm. about what's working and what's not and where they want to be and what they want to move away from and. Yeah, like where do you want to be? Do you, what do you want to be doing in three or five years? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be tracking your food? A lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's important that you know, at some point the conversation shifts to like let's let's figure out how we're going to bridge this gap between tracking and like eating intuitively and that has to happen over a couple of months. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the neat part about working with such a variety of people is, you know, where they, they fall on the spectrum and where they want to end up and you know, kind of how you ultimately get them where they want to go. It is different. Everybody's yeah. different. Yeah. So, um, anything else? No, I guess just if you do end up ever working with us, just remember that we like when you tell us things. Be open. Yeah. Communicative. I like to hear about everything. Yeah. I actually really like when, like, you know, assuming people are fairly compliant and I don't have to nag them about macros. Like, I like talking about other stuff. I like getting I like getting pictures. Yeah. Like, I like knowing what people are up to. Yeah. The fam does a good job with that. We yeah. have this group of girls we work with in, like, on the East Coast. They're all military. And they're really fun. Yeah. They have a little cohort. But, um, cool. Well, that's all for this episode. Um... As always, if you have any questions, you can DM us or reach out on our personal pages. Yeah, on our website too. Yeah. Uh, We're fairly available, so. That's it. Okay. See you later.